Welcome in to another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. It's a beautiful Monday morning here on March 1st, 2021. I'm your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. I'm feeling good. It's been an awesome weekend. I don't know about you. Feel got the batteries recharged. 2020, where I felt like the days and the weeks and the months went by slowly. I feel like blinking, you missed it. All of a sudden, we're here in March. We've gotten through January and February. And, you know, I feel like that's a pretty cool milestone for my show. I feel like it debuted in January. So now this is officially the third month that the Cali Green, a Cali Green Monster Show has been a thing, has been something that's been blessing your ear holes. So let's go. Let's get after it. Let's get another show. Usually, I start off the show talking sports, but I figured I would change it up today because this weekend, there was something kind of exciting for my family. There's sometimes, there's little like benchmark things in your life that like you, when you make a cool purchase where you're like, this is fun. I imagine buying a house will be one of those. So no, that is not one of those things. I'm like many millennials where buying a house just is not something that's possible quite at the moment, especially here in California. But, you know, like buying a car or when you buy like a new TV or a new computer or something like that, like that's pretty dope. I always feel like buying a console uh, or video game consoles like that. And some of you who have been listening to this show, you might be like, Dean, did you get a PlayStation 5? Oh, my God. Congratulations, Dean. You fucking did it. And no, didn't quite do that. Sony, screw you. Stuff has been so unavailable from you guys that rather than getting a PlayStation 5, my family and I on Saturday went and got ourselves a Nintendo Switch, which we are pretty pumped about. Being locked up in our apartment, there's not much to do but do chores and watch TV and movies, which is, you know, it's it's pretty fun, but it'd be nice to add something to the rotation. And adding some Mario Party and some Mario Kart is definitely, um, you know, I feel like was like a good recipe for a good time for our family. If anything, something that was a little unforeseen was that my one-and-a-half-year-old son is still, is a, uh, Let's say he's already kind of got hooked on the video game drug, so to say. I don't want to, con- no, I don't, that, that's a bad comparison. I don't want to compare drugs on my son. But I'm just saying that he is into video games already at the moment. When I, whenever I play Madden and FIFA, he likes to sit on my lap and he celebrates the touchdowns and the goals. And he gets upset when something goes bad against my team. So he's already a fan of that. And now I think having Mario characters, which basically looks like a little cartoon on the screen, is something that he's all about. It kind of helps that with Mario Kart, you can kind of set it to be like automatically driving. So if my son's just kind of sitting there holding the controller and not hitting accelerate, his baby Mario will keep going forward. So it makes him feel like he's driving and his little joystick kind of rumbles a bit. So, you know, it was a good time. It's fun. But then Sunday morning yesterday, he woke up. And my son, he's not quite a talker yet. You know, he's more of a babbler. But when he goes, that's like, dude, give me that. And it was right away. It was the Nintendo Switch. And he was just like, dude, we are we got to play video games right now. So while I was right that I think the Nintendo Switch was a dope purchase and it was going to inject some well-needed entertainment to our family. I think my son has now realized, oh, 
Nintendo Switch is a thing in my life that I need. So definitely going to have to limit that. I think the nice child lock that we have on our entertainment system to hide all the video games and the video game controllers is uh, probably going to be one of the best purchases for my household because my son has definitely, you know, he's a fan of kicking everything, whether it's the ball whether it's the dog, and he loves taking out all the DVDs and video games and kicking them around the room. So video game controllers, child locked away, definitely an advisement if uh, any video game parents out there or any people that play video games and plan on having kids in the future, definitely need to child lock away the controllers because those kids see you using them and that's all they want to play with. So Nintendo Switch, thumbs up in my book i'm looking forward to playing some mario party some mario kart and i bought myself some pokemon as well so i will definitely be trying to catch them all at some point as well just like as if i was nine-year-old dean so i'm pretty stoked on that as well but let's get out of the video game realm pat myself and my family on the back for the switch but there was a ufc on saturday night on Friday, I discussed the heavyweight main event that was going to happen. It was Surreal Gone versus Jorginho Rosenstrike. It was something that I was predicting that was going to be an exciting fight, especially at the UFC Apex Center, since that cage is a smaller cage. So I predicted two heavyweights that are known for their stand-up. It was going to be an explosive fight. However, I also did mention that Surreal Gone doesn't fight like your typical heavyweight that he's very light on his feet and he likes to strike from the outside and a lot of times when that happens with you know fighters that do that I mean it's typically in the less lower weight classes someone like a um what Steven Wonderboy Thompson you know a lot of times his fights not be, might not be the most exciting but he's just such a great kickboxer knows how to stay on the outside and knows how to not take damage and that's basically what we ended up seeing in this main event. It wasn't the most exciting fight in the world. Gone controlled it from, you know, from round one to round five. He won a unanimous decision. Rosenstrike really didn't offer up too much. I think that the announcers and even Dana White, everyone was kind of giving Rosenstrike kind of like the blame a little bit because I think he only threw like about 40 strikes or significant strikes to that entire 25 minutes so he wasn't really doing much and you know Surreal Gan I mean of those 40 strikes that Rosenstrike threw Gan never looked hurt like throughout the entire time so while I do think it was impressive that you know I mean at the point of the fight game is to get in you know attack you know get get more off than the other guy gets off on you and also at the end of the day just not get hurt so gone was able to do that i feel like he looks you know from what you can see unless he he came in with an injury or got something that you couldn't see from from the fight he looks like he'll be healthy and they could probably get him in the cage as soon as possible so i think what i'd like to see him up next there was there's probably two guys that make the most sense you have Derek lewis who just came off a big fight with or a big win over Alistair Overeem. So, you know, he's ranked number two in the UFC's heavyweight rankings right now. He'll be looking for a dance partner. He's got the most knockouts in UFC history or UFC heavyweight history. So I think putting Gon in him could be could spell for a good fight. However, at the same time, the way I saw how Rosenstrike was fighting and the way that Derek Lewis fights because Derek Lewis seems a lot of times or at least in his last fight he was content to kind of sit back and counter and if you look at his fight with Francis Ngannou where he just wasn't really engaging it seems like he was either afraid to pull the trigger or in that fight 
he was also trying to counter. I don't know how that would how it builds up for an exciting fight with Surreal Gone, who is a kickboxer that likes to fight from the outside. So I could see that fight potentially playing out kind of similar to the Rosenstrike one. Although I do think that Lewis is a better fighter than Rosenstrike, I could just see that potentially working out that way. So if anything, a, a fight that I would be a little bit more excited to see with Gone would be Alexander Volkov, you know, the big Russian guy. He has a similar style where he's a lanky. Well, he's a well, not not quite similar, but they're both kickboxers. They like to keep their range. You know, Volkov's a little taller dude. He's lanky, and I think that it would be interesting to see, you know, almost like a clash of which kickboxer is the best kickboxer to kind of move into actually being a real title contender. Because as we've mentioned before, at UFC 260, we got Stipe and Francis Ngannou too. So that's going to be for the heavyweight title. And John Jones has already been slotted to fight the winner of that. So that'll happen later in 2021. So realistically, a new heavyweight contender besides Ngannou and John Jones probably won't like get a real title shot until 2022 so that's why i think that you know gone Derek lewis volkov those guys need to stay active and those guys need to fight so that's why like i think that gone versus either volkov or Derek lewis would be really great and let's say if volkov does get paired up with gone you know Derek lewis could always fight rosenstrike i think that that would be a good fight however with rosenstrike coming off a loss like Derek Lewis might not see incentive in that. Uh, I mean, I think the only incentive with that fight would be more for the fight fans, just seeing that Derek Lewis KO King and Rosenstrike, who for the most time, for the most part of his UFC career has KO power. So, you know, I'm going to just kind of chalk this up to, it was his first main event and, you know, he's even self-admitted that he didn't really step up to the plate this fight. So I think that Rosenstrike in his next fight, I expect him to be have a little bit more sense of urgency. I expect him to be a little bit more in your face. And I think that a fight with him and Derek Lewis would be really exciting. But if that doesn't make any sense for Derek Lewis and if he doesn't want to take that fight, you can um, pair Rosenstrike up with uh, Augusto Sakar. He's someone that the last time we saw him, he got TKO'd by Alistair Overeem in the fifth round. But I mean, he was a guy, if you go back and watch that fight, for the first two rounds, he was very aggressive. He was doing a really good job of, you know, throwing knees in the clinch and being in your face with Overeem. And it really was kind of a fight that Overeem's kind of like veteranness and, you know, experience kind of took over. And midway through the fight, he started taking the fight to the ground. And, you know, that was the difference. So I think, you know, Sakar is someone who's, you know, he's pretty good. He's he's 15-2-1. And, and I think he's going to be looking to try to get back on the horse. So a fight with Rosenstrike would be a good one. Or setting him up with the American Chris Dockhouse. Last time we saw him was a win over Alexi Olenek in the first round. So that would be a nice step up in competition for the American. So there's definitely a lot going on heavyweight. I think it's it's definitely one of the most exciting UFC heavyweight divisions that I've really um, you know seen since I've been a UFC fan. I feel like there's a lot of dudes that could step up and be be contenders and a lot of new faces as well so heavyweight division the ufc it's definitely one to look out for and also to keep on everyone's radar this upcoming weekend we got another ufc they just keep coming man it's just like one weekend after another but this one i think is one that everyone can be pretty pumped about it's an actual pay-per-view 
There's three title fights. Not one, not two, three title fights. And they're actually pretty good fights. We got the light heavyweight title with Jan Blachowicz versus Israel Adesanya, who's the middleweight title fighters or champion. So Adesanya is moving up to 205 to try to fight for the title. So he's trying to be a champ champ, which should be awesome and interesting. You got the featherweight, women's featherweight. So you got Amanda Nunes, probably the greatest of all time women fighter. She's She holds the 145 and 135 pound belt. So she is a champ champ. She's going to be fighting fighting Megan Anderson in the co-main event. And then the third title fight that we're going to get is the Bantamweight title fight, 135-pound Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling, which would be an awesome fight. You know, you got Dominic Cruz on the undercard. So there's going to be a lot to talk about with this pay-per-view. I'll get into it later in the week, but just put that on your radar. This Saturday, there's a UFC worth watching, and I look forward to bringing you coverage on that and highlighting, you know, more than one of the fights. So I definitely want to dig in, and probably I'm going to devote an entire podcast to UFC 259. So this weekend... The Lakers feel like looks like they kind of righted the ship a bit going into the weekend. The Lakers were riding a four-game losing streak on Wednesday. They had just gotten smashed by Utah and didn't really look competitive. So things haven't been looking that great with Anthony Davis out. LeBron had been putting a lot of minutes on, but still coming out and losing efforts. And even before that four-game skid, it seemed like LeBron James was putting a lot of minutes and. They would have to, you know, it'd be overtime wins over teams that shouldn't need overtime wins. However, they got a couple pretty good wins over the weekend. They got a nice win over Portland on Friday. And then last night, they blew out the Golden State Warriors, uh, 117-91. You know, it was a nice, easy dub. And it it was good in a way that LeBron James didn't have to play that much. You know, one of the things that the concerns I had is that, you know, especially on that four game losing streak, LeBron James putting that much time on the court and putting like, you know, that much minutes on his body, it wasn't really doing much to help the Lakers. So it's nice that they were able to kind of, you know, use their depth and kind of figure out a way to, you know, to get dubs. Cause I mean, if they can keep finding a way to find, get wins while with LeBron James putting like less than 30 minutes in a game. I mean, because LeBron James last night, for example, he only played 24 minutes, and he still wound up with 19 points, six rebounds, four assists, two blocks, and two steals. So he literally did everything, and that was like in literally, yeah, in only 24 minutes of time. So if the Lakers can figure out how to just keep, you know, playing at this high level, I mean, having Dennis Schroeder back, that was clutch because just with his defense last night, you know, Stephen Curry was shut down. Like, I mean, shut down relatively for Steph Curry. I mean, he only had 16 points, four rebounds, seven assists, and he was five for 13 from field goal. So with Dennis Schroeder being back, just that defense, that kind of shows you what L.A. was missing by not having Dennis Schroeder in the lineup over these past couple games. So – as I've mentioned before, the Lakers definitely look like the team to beat still. He, you know, they look like they're, you know, my favorite and especially to repeat as champions. They've just got, you know, they're good on defense. They can score when they need to. And, I mean, just looking at the team last night and knowing that they they still have Anthony Davis to add to that lineup, the Lakers are going to be great. I think that, you know, Utah, for how good as they are, they're going to do well. I think that the Lakers in Utah at some point are going to meet up in the playoffs, and that's going to be a great 
a great matchup. I just think that the key is is you know making sure LeBron James just manages those his workload until the playoffs. Let's get Anthony Davis healthy, and the Lakers should be money come playoff time. So I'm not really worried when it comes to them. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about before we end the show here on Monday is that you know it's March 1st. And there's lots of things that March kind of signifies. It's, you know, we got March Madness coming up. I'm looking forward to that. The Selection Sunday, I think, is 13 days from now. So I'm thinking that that Monday after Selection Sunday, we'll probably devote an entire show to picking, you know, me picking brackets. So let's be real, full disclosure, I haven't watched one college basketball game. So that should be pretty fun and random to do. So mark your calendars that. In two weeks, I think two weeks from today, we'll be doing a March Madness show, picking our brackets. So that'll be dope. And then also in March, it's spring training. Yesterday, all the MLB, MLB teams started their spring training games. So that means we're basically a month away from baseball. That'll be pretty, you know, that'll be pretty nice. You know, last year, spring training is around when COVID hit and then that's when baseball got canceled and there was we didn't even know for almost up until the middle of summer if we were even going to have a baseball season so it's nice to know this year going into spring training that we've got a full 162 game season coming up hopefully with the way COVID-19 has you know I don't even want to want to jinx it, but the way COVID-19 has been trending, hopefully we can get into the ballparks at some point this summer. I'm speaking as someone from Southern California. I don't know when they're going to be allowed the public back into games, but, you know, hopefully at some point in the summer, you know, people can catch a, a Dodger game, an Angel game, a, a Padre game, a Giant game, an athletic game, anywhere in California. Hopefully that, you know, we'll be able to catch some baseball at some point this year. So, with spring training coming out, there'll probably be a little bit more baseball talk, so keep a heads up on that. And I wanted to talk about a, a pretty interesting baseball story that came out that I was I – don't, I don't know how much attention the media has been giving this. It just came out yesterday, so on Monday maybe we'll, maybe we'll hear about it or maybe – especially the podcast, one of the podcasts that I listen to on a daily basis, maybe it'll be discussed there. So what I'm talking about is David Sampson. He used to be the president of baseball operations for the Miami Marlins for about like 15 years. And, you know, he's someone who has his own podcast, as I mentioned, it's called Nothing Personal with David Sampson. It's a really great podcast. I definitely advise anyone that likes listening podcasts to check it out every day. It's daily. It's always talking about something provocative in the sports world and he really has no filter when it comes to stuff like he talks about it's basically hearing all the dirty secrets that MLB and sports GMs and sports presidents how they talk and how they view players and you know when you think of oh they're manipulating service time or oh they're they're doing this because of that he's not afraid to say yeah that's exactly why we're doing something so David Sampson is someone that's Whenever I see an article about him or if he's on a podcast or just his podcast in general, I'm going to check it out because it's always really interesting. So when I saw a headline today that it was David Sampson, like, and in reference to Albert, Albert Pujols, it was quoted as something, no one believes he is the age that he says he is. And basically what he's talking about is back when Albert Pujols, I guess, was like 
drafted or brought into the farm system that in the 90s and early 2000s and maybe even going back to the 80s that the Dominican Republic was just fraught with like fraud and people with fake birth certificates and people not being the age that they say they are so you know and there's there's proof of this there was like Miguel Tejada who's a really big shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles and the Oakland A's back in the 2000s I think it was a there was a there was a I forget the the name of the guy there was a pitcher there was a big pitcher that was pitching he was like it was for Cleveland, there was CC Sabathia and this other guy, but that dude basically he had a fake birth certificate, and he was a couple years older than what he was saying he was. And David Sampson was discussing that that's how a lot of the almost every exec in, according to him, every exec in the MLB feels about Albert Pujols. That I guess when you know Albert Pujols was a big free agent right before he signed with the Los Angeles Angels that the Miami Marlins, I guess, were also trying to sign Albert Pujols, and I guess they offered him a huge deal, like, worth, like, you know, 10 years, like, a big deal, probably similar to what the Angels paid him. And David Sampson was mentioning that they were offering him that deal, and it didn't matter that they knew that the back end of the deal was going to have zero production, and he said that the basis of knowing that there was going to be no production off the back half of that deal was knowing that Albert Pujols wasn't the age that he says he was. So I think it's pretty interesting. It's something that as a baseball fan and when I'm talking with other baseball fans, we've joked about, you know, certain baseball players, especially, you know, Latin American baseball players who seem to age overnight, that they probably weren't the age that they say they were. You know, look at like Vladimir Guerrero. It seemed like he kind of aged overnight where like he I remember he went from being one of the best outfielders in the MLB hands down and then one year he just showed up and it looked like he literally couldn't run anymore without hobbling and then Albert Pujols he's someone where I mean it seems so long ago but he literally is one of the best first basemen of all time like if you look at just like his stats over the beginning of his career and what warranted that big contract that the Angels signed him but I think that over this 10 years that Albert Pujols has been an angel, he's only made like one all-star team. So to go from the heights that Albert Pujols, what he was before for, you know, the whole beginning of his career where he was literally like a Lou Gehrig, a greatest of all time first baseman, anyone who's been watching baseball for the past 10 years or watching angel games or watching Albert Pujols, he's literally a shell of his own play of his old self. So, I mean, if he was, is older than what his birth certificate says. So if he is actually more in his mid forties, mid to late forties, than his late thirties, early forties, then that would be a big, you know, that would be a huge story. You know, I see a lot of people on the comment boards and saying that like, Oh, what's the big deal. He still had an MLB hall of fame career. And it's like, no, I agree. It's like, you can't take anything away from his numbers. It's not like he did steroids. You know, he's never even been tied to that. But, I mean, the Angels signed this guy to a 10-year deal under the assumption he was a certain age. So if he was, let's say, like three or four years older than that, I mean, that's like about $100 million on his contract, just those extra years. So I'm curious to see if the media is going to pick this up or if this becomes a bigger story or if this is just going to be some article that I read on Facebook, even though I know the source it's coming from. It's actually, you know, it's, it was coming from David Sampson when he was on Dan Levitard's show. Even though I know it's coming from him, we'll just it'll be kind of curious to see if anyone else follows up on it. So, 
yeah, I wanted to talk about it here, and I feel like that's all I, I'm going to talk about today. I feel like there's still a lot of stuff to talk about. I didn't even get to talk about this week's WandaVision, but you know, we can't be talking all day. The Cali Green Monster Show can't be going for 45 minutes to an hour. At a certain point, it's just like, Dean, you are rambling, dude. Just end the show, and that is what I'm going to do right now. So for me, the host, Dean Ryan... Coming to you from the lovely Tessa Studios in beautiful Sandy, sunny San Diego, California. This has been a Cali Green Monster Show. Peace, y'all.